Welcome to Brigham Young. Oh gosh. <laughs> Welcome Ooh. to Gim. <laughs> Should we edit this out or just leave it? No, I think we got to leave it. But you guys, Garrett was like, he was prepping himself for this intro. Like I was giving him a moment of silence and he was you know, getting, getting pumped up like a boxer. And, and he hits us with Brigham Hell, whatever you just said. Yeah, I think I said Brigham, <laughs> Brigham Gell, something like that. Well, that anyway, I was going to say, welcome to Give Him Hell, Brigham. Jeff, what is more entertaining to watch? The CFP ranking show or restarting Superstore for the fifth time? Oh, yeah, Superstore. Superstore is the best show on TV that nobody talks about. Like, look, people, people talk about, like, The Office, Parks and Rec. Like, those are legendary shows. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, legendary. Superstore's right there. Superstore is so funny, and it does not get anywhere near the credit that it deserves. Well, it's – so it doesn't get near the credit it deserves, but if you do like The Office or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Parks and Rec or The Good Place, you will like Superstore because the creator of Superstore is Justin Spitzer, who was the co-exec – like he was the executive producer of The Office. And he – you know, like he was on – you know, he was – worked with The Office, and it's that – it's a small-knit group of people, right, that is mm-hmm. – that, you know, it's him and – Oh, it's his name, Michael Scher. So Moe's, Dwight's cousin yep. on The Office, yep. was the main writer for The Office, Parks and Rec, and The Good Place, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, right. So this is right in that same vein. Uh, at first, you'll even like recognize some of the similarities of it's like, oh, that's Michael. Oh, that's Dwight. And you'll feel some of that. But they evolve into their own people. It doesn't take long for them. That's like the thing maybe I like the most about Superstore is at first it feels like, okay, this is just the grocery store version of The Office. But it only takes two or three episodes for me to feel like those characters are themselves now. It's no longer grocery store Dwight or you know grocery store Michael. They're their own characters. They're Dina. They're Jonah. They're Amy. They're Glenn. And they feel great. So if you have never watched Superstore, because maybe you've never heard of it because it doesn't get the notoriety that it deserves. Maybe you've thought you only watched the first part of the first episode and we're like, eh, this is just the office. I encourage you to watch Superstore because I, I think I, I think you're right, Garrett. I think you said the fifth time restarting it for the fifth time. I think we just, my wife and I just started watching it for the fifth time this week. And it's and- still as funny on round five. I'm kind of offended that I've been telling you for months to watch Kim's Convenience and you uh-huh. chose Superstore over that. But if you are listening to this and you have watched neither of those shows, please go watch them. They are both very enjoyable and they will be more entertaining than watching Gary Barta make up fake reasons about why BYU should not be ranked higher than number 13. And the CFP cabal is real. It has to be real. Listen, we, we've heard so many. Well, we really haven't. We've heard one reason over and over and over again from BARDA and this committee why BYU is still ranked in the teens, why, they, why that group of 13 committee members has BYU ranked lower than everybody else in the country, and it's because of strength, and, strength of schedule. That's it. That's, that's the only metric that they have, strength of schedule. And it, it's, it's upsetting to me. Not because I think BYU's schedule is deserving. Like, if, if that's really going to be the number one metric, and it always is, and it's always supposed to be, or whatever, 
I won't be, if we can't argue that BYU schedule is better than it is like every BYU fan in the world knows that, that that schedule is trash. Like that's, of course it's trash. Like we know it's trash. What I, what I can't reconcile in my head is how teams are getting just the discrepancy. Some teams are getting the benefit of the doubt and BYU is not Ohio state is an example. Uh, Desmond Howard ripped the committee today talking about how Ohio State's strength of schedule is like 77th in the country. And yet somehow, despite only playing four games and Justin Fields looking like garbage against Indiana, Ohio State is given the benefit of the doubt over Florida, over Texas A&M. That doesn't make sense, right? Like they, they shouldn't be in four. But then on the other side of Gary Barta's mouth, he's saying, well, we don't really know anything about BYU. They haven't played anybody. But wait, you just said that Ohio State gets the benefit of the doubt over Texas A&M, who has beaten Florida, your number six team. It just doesn't make sense. And there's there's little elements or pockets of hypocrisy on just about every team. Uh, Iowa State, they lost to Louisiana. They lost to a team from the Sun Belt Conference that has filled out the bulk of BYU's schedule. They lost. So how is that? not like the biggest pockmark on Louis or on, uh, excuse me, on Iowa state's resume and yet dominating teams from that same very conference looks bad for BYU. I don't get it. And then all of that doesn't even like take into account that it's the P five schools who look right, wrong. I'm not going to debate any of that stuff, but they bowed out of BYU schedule. So it's the, it's the P5 teams, the P5 athletic directors that said, hey, we're not going to play you, BYU, and we're not going to reschedule you when we have openings, BYU, but your schedule sucks, so we're not going to let you come into this, into this exclusive NY6 club, BYU. It just It's tough. And so all of that is to say, all of the reasoning that we have heard from the committee about why BYU is where they are, frankly, I think my uh, cabal conspiracy theory makes the most sense. You know, it really does. And I think what the committee actually, what they need to do is, you know, the Big Ten and up until recently, the Pac-12 and the SEC have all said that they do not feel that it's safe to play teams from other conferences this year. If that is the case, then they should be left out of the rankings and the CFP committee should respect their wishes to not play teams from other conferences. (laughs) And that would slide us up to like, I don't know, if you take how this the number five, right? Two. <laughs> I mean, you're up there, right? So it, it's just it's so it's, silly. It's the and, I, the one that gets give me the the worst. Well, the one that pissed me off the most is the Iowa State ranking of they beat a not good Texas team, needed luck to do it, played both teams looked horrible, and they move up and sit there even though they got beat thirty one to fourteen at home against a team that now is ranked number 25 and against it's probably a team, against a team that you have to Google their name to remember, did these guys go by Louisiana? Are they Louisiana Lafayette? Are they Louisiana Monroe? Like nobody knows. You just say Louisiana. I mean, then you have to figure out which one you're talking about. Right. They so, lost to that team. And somehow it's, you know, they, it's not like they have a real dominant win over anyone. There's no one. I mean, yeah, is that, is that the one that upsets you the most? Because I think that North Carolina losing to by two touchdowns to Notre Dame and jumping up four spots, that might be the thing that I'm the most upset about, followed closely behind 
Oklahoma State going to the wire with the juggernaut that is Texas Tech, beating them by six points and moving up eight spots to now they're threatening to jump ahead of BYU. I think those are the two that yeah, get me the actually, most. The, there's so much. I think I'm most annoyed by the Iowa State because they shouldn't be there, and if we were one ahead of them, then everything is fine and we don't need to worry about anything, right? But it's, mm. you know, I think it, yeah, it is just so frustrating and stupid to see those jumps, the jump by Oklahoma State Go and if you look at so BCS know how um, on Twitter, you know they do the simulated. They go back and say this is what the BCS formula would have spat out, and you know the biggest differences are you know so the BCS would have BYU and Marshall both at five spots higher than they currently are. Coastal Carolina, Oregon, and and Louisiana Lafayette, you know Louisiana the Raging Cajuns would all be four spots higher than they are. So good for them. Um, but yeah, North Carolina is ranked 10 spots higher by the committee than the BCS formula would have them. It's insane. Iowa state and Iowa are four, which obviously Gary Barta is the athletic director of Iowa. So of course I am wearing my Iowa gear today. Take I'm, I'm hoping reverse hex of some okay. kind that if I, the, the one who is leading the Wyanon charge, if I start sporting Gary Barta gear, is that somehow going to like make his brain just spontaneously combust? Because it's like, wait a minute, I'm the cabal, you're Wyanon, you're the biggest threat, but also you're cheering for me. I don't know if his robot head is going to be able to compute that. It might, honestly. Um, I mean, and at then, this point, it, it doesn't sound any crazier than anything else, right? That's true. And and then Oklahoma State is five spots. So of these, there are 62 voters in the AP poll. The 60 of the 62 have BYU in the top 10, and the lowest, there's one voter who had BYU at 13. So it's I just do not understand and cannot fathom why it was agreed upon as a better idea to have a mystery committee go into a room with zero transparency rather than just saying the BCS formula is good that's you got so the bcs formula there was the it used the ap poll was one third of it the harris interactive poll which was like a separate media poll it, which in it was created specifically for the bcs and then they died when the bcs died um was part of it so bcs know how just uses the coaches poll which is fine and then the bcs used there were six computer rankings and your highest and lowest got dropped so it was your the middle four of six computer rankings, and then they averaged that all together and then ranked the teams. That is literally that is a, as objective as you could possibly get in terms of figuring it out. And yes, there's some years where it sucked that they're you know your number three outside looking in, but they should have just. But expanded. that's what sucked. Yes, right. They it should was, just expand. There was only said, two. Right, and said, okay, we have this, but we're going to add because what there were only four four yep. BCS bowls, and then they added the championship game to make a fifth bowl. And then when they went to the new year six, they elevated the cotton bowl to be a new year, like a, they should have just added a six bowl and then followed the same criteria and let exactly. it go. Done exactly the same thing. Um, I, I agree. And, and yours, what you're saying is almost identical to what Joel Klatt uh, has been saying. He went on the cowherd show that I think earlier this morning and he, he put it into probably a much more eloquent argument than I'm going to say as I remember what he said, but basically talking about that, of 
you had hundreds, potentially thousands of data points that went into these computer rankings of the BCS, right? Like it culminated into, what, what did you say? Seven or eight different ranking systems that were averaged out, but there were data points that fed those computer rankings. And what, what we have done now with the college football playoff is we have said, or with the selection committee rather, we have said that these 13 people sitting in a room are more accurate than these computers that take thousands of different data points and spit out an aggregation of what their, you know, their algorithms say of who is best. The statistical variance of one person on this 13 person committee can swing the results in a way greater fashion than a bias of one poll or one data point uh, in a statistical analysis like the BCS had. Meaning BYU's strength of schedule, yeah, it's bad. It's absolutely bad. Nobody is going to say that it's not bad. It's bad. But that one data point wouldn't necessarily swing BYU's ranking so far that they can't possibly scratch the top 10 because there are 100 other data points that they could look at, that the computers would look at. But these 13 people are taking the bias that they have towards that strength of schedule metric, and they are allowing that to dictate everything else. And so the statistical variance of one data point being awful is is huge because these humans are looking at it and saying, well, we can't get past that. And they're ignoring everything else. Where computers would take, maybe it's weighted, you know, maybe the strength of schedule is weighted heavily but there's still other data points that BYU looks really, really, really good. And that's all being ignored. Why did we, as a collective college football society, why did we agree that 13 data points that are subjective are better than thousands of data points? It just doesn't make any sense. And that's that was Joel Klatt's argument. And, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit on our agenda because we've talked about Joel Klatt. We've talked about Desmond Howard. That Desmond Howard pointed out uh, on Get Up this morning on ESPN, he pointed out the hypocrisy in, in, in the inconsistencies in uh, Gary Barta's arguments about Ohio State and about BYU. Now, Kirk Herbstreet has long been a fan of BYU and has said, hey, look, just watch them play. Watch them play. And that's been, he's been banging his hands on or his fists on the table saying, you watch BYU. And if you are, you have even a lick of football knowledge, you can't dispute that this team looks complete, looks very, very good, and they should be in the conversation. So my question for you, Garrett, you have Joel Clapp, Desmond Howard, and Kirk Herbstreet, who I think are in a competition that they don't know that they're in, but they're in a competition every week for who is the BYU hero of that week. So here we are. The rankings have been out for almost 24 hours now. Who wins the award this week? Is it Clatt? Is it Howard or is it Herbstreit? I think this week for me, it's Clatt because he went into talking about like, why does Georgia deserve to be a top 10 team in that he felt like BYU would beat Georgia straight up in a game. And he argued that with Coward and Coward was not a big fan of his, his point. And so I think for me this week, it, it is Clatt, but it's very close. I think Herbstreit also, um, mentioned when he was on something else that he, you know, he did go on record saying that he is worried about the sport of college football overall. And he was said, quote, I'm worried about the sport overall. I'm worried about the focus being strictly on the playoff. If you're not one of the playoff teams, why does it even matter? Who cares? And that is something that is a big problem 
that the committee has themselves in by doing it this way is because even if like, yes, if you expanded, um, so uh, Connor McQuiston, you know, posted out that he went through and was like, okay, if we just did the 14 playoff with the BCS, this is what it would have looked like, you know, with those years, whatever. And it wasn't, you know, it's still, you mostly have the blue buds there, but even then coming from the mountain West in the final BCS rankings, TCU in both 2009 and 2010 was in the top four, a, a mountain, you know, a G5 mm-hmm. league could mm-hmm. get them in there. And, you know, Boise state was very close and had they lot, not lost to Nevada, they could actually Boise state potentially was like, they could border, have been three. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could have potentially even squeaked into two and made a national championship game in 2010 under like on their own as a, you know, being a G five team. Like it was the path was there because of all those other data points. You said like, yes, they'd still, you're going to have 85% of it is still going to be your blue blood programs. You're not going to, you know, you'll maybe have 20, 25 unique programs and, you know, in there, but there is still that path where if you have an incredible year, you will be rewarded for it. And if you have two back-to-back incredible years where you have some clout going in and can get ranked high enough, then, you know, being from Cincinnati, you know, being Cincinnati or this year or BYU, whatever, that you would have a chance. And Mm -hmm. that's all people want is a chance. And that's it. And and that's why the whole playoff was needed was just give more teams a chance. Don't just limit it to two and go to four. That's why people clamor for expansion is, well, give number eight a chance. Like we, we do it in every other sport in the world. I think it was Mike Leach who did an argument once of like high school football. There's a state championship tournament at every level of high school football in every state in the NFL. There's a playoff with however many teams. Now I think there's, what is there? 16 teams now, 14 teams that are going to make it like 16 Uh, in, in FCS football. There's a playoff in every level of football. There is a playoff in the CFL. There's a playoff in every country that there is football. There is a playoff except for college football. We limit it to now four teams we call it the college football playoff and yes it is but it's it's a college football almost like it's almost a round robin you know it's it's a semifinal game and that's it It, it's just it's upsetting i agree with you on joel clatt i think he is our byu hero of this week the one thing i i liked about joel is he went on to cowherd show and cowherd tried to say well if i look at recruiting rankings georgia is better so why would I not give Georgia the benefit of the doubt when comparing them to a team like BYU? Because the recruiting rankings in the NFL draft says that Georgia should be really, really good. Well, it should also say it also says that Tennessee should be really, really good. And that Texas should be really, really good. And that Michigan and Penn State should be really, really good. All of those teams, all four of those teams that we just mentioned were top 15 recruiting teams last year. South Carolina, Nebraska, top 20. Florida State, number 22. Kentucky, number 25. I I can't help but find that argument ridiculous, and I think everybody would agree with that. But if that is a data point that the committee is using, is recruiting rankings? Look, I, I am a believer that stars matter. I'm a believer in what we do at 24-7 sports. But recruiting rankings are not football. If recruiting rankings are going into making a decision of who is or is not the best team in football, you are totally taking away development, taking away coaching, taking away scheme, taking away uh, everything, right? I mean, the, the actual production on the field, and you are reducing it into recruiting rankings from players out of high school. 
it makes no sense that that is even an argument that anybody would say out loud, much less actually believe that it should be a deciding factor in figuring out the, the college football playoff and the New Year's Six standings. Makes no sense. It's infuriating, really, to see how the system is evolved into what it is today. Um, so we do, <clears throat> you know, and we have, we've put out lots of wine on content. We have wine on shirts. We have wine on hats. We've got all sorts of things that you can find on our Give Him Hell Brigham store. And I think, I don't know if maybe we need to raise the prices so people feel premium product, but Jeff, you wanted to order a sample and you just used a promo code and ordered it like a regular customer because it only cost a dollar more than ordering the sample at our cost. Like we're not, we are doing this, we're doing this to build the brand and to make funny shirts and things that you guys can wear around and, you know, that you can have people ask you about and whatever. It's not, we're not over here. We're not selling cheap, like $2 shirts with that are marked up to $15 or whatever. Like we are, have them priced to barely cover our costs. We and, are making zero money on this. Yeah. And it's, they're cut there to cover our costs just because we want to give people entertaining things that they may not be able to find elsewhere. So we do still have our CFB cabal promo it's still running. That's 10% off as BYU should be ranked in the top 10. Um, and it's 10% off anything in the store. Um, if you have a request for a specific shirt or something you want, then go ahead and shoot that over to us. We can get it made for you. But again, that's the is the store. Yes. I have a question for the listeners. I asked you this question earlier today about our shirts, and I just made a decision in my head that we should leave this up to the listeners. We have a shirt that we're ready to release, that we're ready to start selling. It's designed. All we've got to do is click publish, and it will go live onto our store. But I asked you before clicking publish, should we do this? It might create some sort of a rift or a ripple effect of of, of I, I know what would happen if a certain person, and we'll get there, if a certain person were to see this shirt, it would end up in a tweet. He would belittle our podcast. He would talk down to us, and then he would block us on Twitter, and it would create something. And so my question to you was, is it worth that something you know, to, to publish this shirt? And the idea that we had was, well, if nobody buys it, then no. So I want to leave this up to the listeners because listeners – If you'll buy this shirt, then it will be worth the rift. The shirt is very simple. There's the little microphone, our logo, little microphone on the shirt, and then just marker text, three lines, and it says, I'm blocked by Spencer Checkets. That's the shirt. That's the entire shirt. That's the whole shirt. If we publish that shirt and we say, okay, folks, we are ready for whatever's going to come. We are ready for him to be offended and to make it about, you know, the church and the whatever else. We're ready to do it. Will you buy the shirt? Because if you're not, then we're not going to do it. But if there are buyers who will buy the shirt that they can wear proudly, because I'm assuming most of our listeners are blocked by Spence Checkets. I'm blocked by Spence Checkets. Are you blocked by Spence Checkets? I am blocked by Spencer Checkets. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us are blocked by Spence Checkets. So we can wear that as a badge of honor, but we're not going to publish it if people aren't going to buy it. So somebody, please tell us if you are, will purchase this shirt. We'll put it out there, and I'll be super thrilled about it. 
So it's out there. It's the offer well, is there on there. the table. Okay. So we, I'm, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna hit publish right now. And if it hap- if you buy it, you buy it. Well, let's leave it up. What? Let's do that. We got to find a way. We'll have to take it down if we haven't had. I don't know how many. Ten. Like we're not asking for a, a huge number of sales. Right. If we haven't had five to ten sales in by I don't know Sunday. Yeah. Then we'll take it down. We're not going to publicize this one on Twitter unless you already have. Then it is what it is. We're not going to publicize this one on Twitter. I want to see what kind of reach and what kind of passion the listeners have about listening to the show and supporting that they have been blocked by Spencer Jenkins. So this is a it's almost like it's a listener exclusive because we're not marketing it anywhere but right here right now. Yeah. I I'll agree with that. Um, so so gonna... it will go down on Sunday if there are not 10 sales of this shirt. There you go. And we Three. will make this is that a, fair. Yep. And we will make this available in blue, in black, royal, navy. And, you know, we'll even do it in red in case for any, any Ute fans happen to be blocked by him as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think we could even do, you know, green. Are there any UVU fans that are really passionate? Or maybe red or uh, uh, purple. If there's any Weber State fan, I, whatever, whatever you we feel, gotta, you're up there doing it, right? Yeah, I will. It's, I gotta. We got to dig into the pricing because sometimes different colors are different prices. Like if you, mm. no one buys purple, so purple shirts cost more, right? And so I get it. Yeah, so we gotta. We you figure to, that out. But we'll we'll get this up. It's going, and uh, you know we're gonna get that out there, and it will be our listener exclusive, and we'll see what happens. And look, guys, we, we're really not going to make any money. Like, please don't think that that's what we're doing here. We just want to build the brand and let everybody have a community for Give Them Hell. The, the one thing that we do now that we are trying to make a little bit of money is we do have a sponsor. We have a great sponsor. And we have the reads. And it's a little bit funny. I listened back to our read last week, and it's just a little bit hard. It's hard to make it sound like it's natural, and I I want it to feel natural. And if it's not going to feel natural, then I want it to be super awkward and totally disrupt the flow of the entire show by having an introduction to our read like we have right now. We are calling this out. We are going to go through the read for Teeple's Consulting. That's what's going to happen right here, right now. Teeple's Consulting is excellent, by the way. If you own your own business and you hate technology that you currently have, Teeple's Consulting might be right for you. If you don't feel like your business revenue or your systems or your data are helping you in your day-to-day operations enough, or if your sales and your marketing is too manual, then Teeple's Consulting can help you expedite all of that, facilitate all of that. Teeple's Consulting has helped major companies across the world, LegalZoom, Ancestry, uh, Informatica. They've helped BYU directly. Uh, They've helped all of them transform their data and thus transform their business operations. Teeple's Consulting, that is T-E-E-P-L-E-S consulting.com. If you mention Give Them Help Brigham, you get a $500 referral when you come in. Ryan does great work. He's a great man. I could not recommend him enough. And yeah, it's a little bit of an awkward sponsorship read, but we don't accept just any sponsor. No, we've, you know, we've, we've turned people away. 
Because we're like, Many yeah, that people. doesn't we that doesn't fit with our brand. It, we don't feel like that's something that you know would you know that our listener base would get much use out of. That's not what they do. Or you know, it's we want to work you know work with BYU fans as sponsors and help their business. And you know, it's and Orida. Um, we would work with Orida. Yes, or Orida potatoes. BYU fans or Orida potatoes. That's mm-hmm. that is who we are willing to work with. And it's, you know, we were very selective because we don't want to inundate everything with ads, but we do want to, you know, keep this operation up and running and pay some bills. And so it's, you know, we are happy to have people's consulting on board. Um, and they do, they do do very good work. I've worked some with them and I know other companies that have, um, utilized their services well, and have all been very complimentary. That's right. I forgot. You've actually done work uh, with Brian, like hand in hand a couple of years ago. I have. Yes. You, you have firsthand experience of how awesome he really is and how he treats his customers. This is true. I do. I can speak from my own personal experience. Yeah, that's great. So Ryan Teeples Consulting, uh, owned and operated by Ryan Teeples. Check it out if you are in the need uh, for some from data transformation and for some help in your business. He, he does a great job. Uh, BYU did get some good news this week. I guess last week is when it was, Saturday. Logan Fano committed to the Cougars, recommitted to the Cougars. He had been committed. Uh, I didn't realize this until uh, Raider DeMooney tweeted something out. But Raider and Logan committed back in 2016. So long ago. Forever ago. That was a college career ago is how long ago it was. But he recommitted to BYU this last week. That's a big deal. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know it got a lot of uh, a lot of publicity when it first happened, but I don't know that it has really got enough publicity. How big of a deal it was for BYU to get Logan Fano. Uh, Utah thought that he was in the bag. Like the Utah coaching staff thought that Fano was in the bag. And if you think of defensive ends, like, yeah, like Bradley and I, uh, you think of Mika Tafua, like guys at Utah – they know what they're doing on the defensive end at the defensive end position. They thought they had Fano all locked up and Kalani and Elisa Tuiaki and, and mostly Jason Ayu were able to, I'm not going to say flip him because he hadn't been committed, but they were able to, to really hold off Utah. They were able to hold off a lot of schools, Michigan, Arizona state, Washington, Oklahoma. There were a lot of schools that wanted Logan Fano and he committed to BYU And the thing that is maybe the most special about his commitment is what he said when he committed uh, uh, something to the effect that it's sad to watch all of these really talented players leave the state of Utah or leave Provo and go play somewhere else. So I'm going to be the one who bucks that trend and start something special in Provo. If that's not the attitude that BYU fans love, like that sends chills down your spine, man. Right. It, it does. And that's something that, you know, for years and years, the top talent has been going out of state to, and that's not, that's not a problem specific to Utah. That's a national problem of kids want to, they want to go play on a big national stage and they don't care. A lot of kids just want to get, oh, go away from home and things like that. And so it's, it's not, um, you know, that is something that happens everywhere, but it's, you know, that is something that's, Awesome, awesome, and it was great to hear. And hopefully, that translates to, uh, you know, translates to Jackson Dart following him and staying. Who Jackson Dart is now a composite four star on twenty four seven because rivals bumped him up. 
And so he's a four-star on 24-7 and on their composite score, which combines rivals and ESPN rankings as well. And he's a dang good prospect. And it and he's I, a big deal. It, he is good, and I want him. We, we talked about Jackson with uh, our friends over at Ute Zone. And we asked, like, Jackson Dart is the best quarterback to come out of the state of Utah since dot, 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 question mark. And they were very quick to respond, and I think they were right in saying Scott Mitchell. Scott Mitchell was great at Utah in the early 90s. Early 90s? Yeah, it was the early 90s. Went on and played for a minute in the NFL for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Scott Mitchell was great. He was my wife's count, the counselor in my wife's student ward when she was at there BYU. You go. I know Scott. Super, super nice guy. Uh, and a, he was a great college quarterback and, and did some good things in the NFL. Let's take Scott Mitchell out of the equation and let's focus on BYU quarterbacks. Think of all of the BYU quarterbacks who have been great during their time at BYU. Not many of them came from the state of Utah, right? Especially recently. John Beck, Max Hall, they came from Arizona. Taysom Hill came from Idaho. Uh, I guess Brandon Doman was, uh, he was a skyline guy. He came from Utah. Riley Nelson came from Utah. Uh, but I think that the Jackson Dart, it's not even close. He's a much bigger recruit than either one of them were. You know, Riley Nelson, most people expected him to change positions. And I think Brandon Doman initially was recruited as a safety. So going, you, you've got to go back a ways to find like who you're, you're talking from Utah, Jim McMahon. Yeah. I mean, you really are because Steve Young or Steve Young, uh, Connecticut, Ty Detmer, Texas, Robert John Bosco, Walsh, California. Where was John Walsh from? John Walsh and Steve Sarkisian were both from Torrance, California. They played at the same high school. So okay. Because so. we had, they were back-to-back starting quarterbacks there and then back-to-back starting at BYU. And then the same thing happened with John Beck and Max Hall. Who were so both you really Arizona. are, you really are going back to Jim McMahon. Yeah. Like, is that really where we're at? Is that outside I mean, of you did have Cooper Bateman sign with Bama out of Cottonwood, but he was a complete flop. Like it didn't. And he was, there. but even if, if we stick to just guys who ended up or even considered, because I guess Scott Mitchell considered BYU Cooper Bateman. I don't even know if BYU ever got involved. Like that, it was never going to happen. And everybody knew that you really got to go back to, to the eighties. And it's maybe a little bit ironic that uh, Jackson Dart started his career, his high school career at Roy, where Jim McMahon played. But that's how far back you've got to go to find a player, uh, find a quarterback, rather, the caliber of Dart, who ended up at BYU from the state of Utah. You've got to go a long, long, long ways back. I think it's important to really talk about what Jackson Dart's rating means. Uh, Jackson Dart, with that, you mentioned it, Garrett, the update uh, by rivals and, and 24 seven sports. We've updated him a couple of times that brings him up to a 95.33. That that's his prospect his composite rating. That's Jake keeps territory. And remember how big of a get it was for Jake keeps like, look, forget his career. We're not talking about his career, but how big of a deal it was and how much excitement there was among BYU fans. When Jake keeps committed to, to play in Provo, Jackson dart is rated right there jack yeah. jake keeps was a 95.47 jackson dart is a 95.33 and i think he probably hit, gets a little bit higher than heaps because i'm pretty certain that there's going to be another ratings increase for him from 24 7 here in the next couple of weeks yeah it's he is good and it's not a little bit good it is he is very 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 good 
And I think Very it good. really boils down to that if you are a Division One quarterback prospect for who originally started their career at Roy High School, you're destined for things. You know, between Jim McMahon yeah, crazy. and that's Jackson Dart. If you want to, right. If that's if you're a quarterback and that's where you want to be, you got to go to Roy at some point. Apparently, I, I guess it's a rule. That's I. I don't know anyone else who goes to Roy, but. I don't. I don't think there's any Division One other quarterbacks who can refute this. That it's it's all or nothing. If you're getting offers, uh, if you're getting offers from schools and you went to Roy, you're destined for greatness. I think that is a scientific fact. I think so. I. I mean, I can't argue with the science. There's another recruit. There's a lot of recruiting focus here on this show because BYU is not playing, and from what we've heard. Uh, BYU has started preparing to play San Diego State. So I don't know. I mean, obviously a Pac-12 game or something could get canceled late and maybe BYU shifts. But as things stand right now, it sounds like BYU is planning on just preparing for San Diego State. It's going to be another bye week. Tom Homo still wants to play. He's still finding a game. The team still wants to play. Uh, but as things stand right now, it's just not there. Like there's, it takes two teams to agree to play a game. And so it just, it isn't there. So because of that, yeah, there's going to be a heavy recruiting influence. Signing day is two weeks away, man. Like, it's close. It's two weeks from today. We are, t- is the, the early signing period. And there's one more recruit we want to talk about real quick, who also got himself a pretty significant ratings bump here in the last few weeks. Lone Peak's John Henry Daly. Uh, we talked about his ratings bump, but he's up to an 87 now on uh, 24-7 sports. So that's, you know, that's a high three-star. John Henry Daly is a stud. Like, he is he's an absolute so underrated. Stud. He is. Before Fano committed to BYU, we were having the conversation, and I think it's still a worthy conversation of whether John Henry Daly is actually a better pass-rushing prospect than Logan Fano. He doesn't have the recruiting resume. He hasn't really sought out the recruiting attention at all, but he doesn't have the resume that, that Fano has. But from a production standpoint, he's insane. He had more than 30 tackles for loss. Uh, he's crazy. There hasn't been, I don't think I've seen that level of production since like, I mean, what did uh, Peter, how about his last name? Tamoy Penu before when he signed with BYU, but then ended up at Utah, like mm-hmm. he had something crazy, like 28 sacks or something like that, his senior year at Tempview. But it's, you know, the, if John Henry Daly put up insane, insane amount of production coming as an edge rusher and was, I mean, he had his BYU and Stanford, right? Like it's, he had offers, he could play. He just didn't do the camp thing. He wasn't public. He didn't, he didn't sell himself as a recruit. Yep. Um, I just pulled up his stats so that we can make sure we get it right. 22 sacks this year, 38 tackles for loss, 79 total tackles. Uh, one of my favorite stats here is in his 22 sacks, and, oh, and then an additional 15 hurries to go along with that. Well, and Logan Fano had 20 and a half sacks this year and 28 t- TFLs on his own as well. These are two crazy productive players. I love the stat that Max Prep. I, I don't know how they're really validating this, but it gets reported and they're, they're reporting it. So we're going to talk about it in his 22 sacks, John Henry Daly. He accounted for 164 yards lost. That's, that's a big number. Like if you could set a team back over the course of a year, 164 yards, that's crazy. Yeah, that is, 
So he's a stud. He's a stud. I love where BYU sits with John Henry Daly. I think there is a lot of uh, optimism. People should feel optimistic. And I think a lot of people have assumed that John Henry Daly is going to commit to BYU. And I, I love it when that happens, but I also hate it because it feels like it takes away the excitement when the commitment actually comes because you're like, oh yeah, we just expected it. Don't allow that to happen, Cougar fans. John Henry Daly is special. And when that commitment comes, assuming it does, be excited because that dude is special. He, and I think he's every bit as good as Fano just doesn't have the national name recognition. And I think if we get the two of them, I mean, if you throw in Jackson Dart, then this is the best recruiting class since 2010. And yeah, it's not I, close. I, I agree. Uh, if we, it, uh, let's see, I did the math. If BYU adds Jackson Dart and John Henry Daly, and that's it, nobody else, their current commitments plus those two, this class will finish better with 15 commits with a better team ranking score, like the overall score than last year's class did with 31 players who were signed and accounted for. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a really big deal. This is a very small class. We've talked about it forever, but this is a very, very good class that is doing a lot of really good things. Uh, One thing that was not good this week was that cluster of a basketball game against USC. Oh gosh. I don't want to talk about it. Did you, I mean, it was bad. I don't know. I don't, you see the stats i think they made like six or seven shots total in the second half well they were they finished the first half on shooting well they started off okay started off like making like six of eight of the first baskets or whatever but then the second half finished on a one for 19 run and then it continued into the second half to where at one point they had only made three of their last 30 shots. And that's like, and it wasn't like they were, you know, jacking up shots with their covers guys. Like they had open shots. Just, it was nothing would fall at all. Nothing. And it was like, I'm honestly, like I was so annoyed and frustrated watching it, but it was like, I can't be mad because this is bizarre. Like with how, like it was borderline. It was like, this is statistically, this should be impossible for this to be happening but here we are, and I don't understand how we got here or why. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was bad. Um, you know, and, and there certainly was an element of, yep, bad shooting night that happens. But I, I couldn't help but being worried watching that game because of what the athleticism of USC did to this team. Like, it made Alex Barcelo look lost. Like, he got pushed around. Matt Harms played well at times, but then he also looked lost at other times. And then you go away from those two, and outside of Gideon George, nobody looked like they had the confidence to think that they could hang with USC. Trevin Nell was passing up shots. Caleb Lohner was passing up shots. We need to talk about, about our, our friend Larry Bird Lohner. He struggled. Like, he was, he was the biggest recruit, you know, whatever. Like, we remember the stories. It was a big deal when he came, and he, he struggled. He looks to me like he's a guy who's just pressing right now. I think he knows he came in with a lot of notoriety. There was a lot of uh, a lot of expectations placed on him. There was a lot of commotion with his. Rec- I mean, his recruitment was nuts in large part due to some of our friends who threw out Qualtrics rumors and all these crazy things that were not true. And I think that time has proven that they were not true. But like most news, the wrong storylines get publicized 
But when the truth comes out, it sort of just disappears and nobody talks about it. But none of those things ended up being true, but it all happened when Loner flipped from Utah to BYU. So he looks like he's a guy who's just a little bit tense and he just needs to relax and play basketball. And I think that's it. And as soon as he does that, I think he'll play well. He's going to be good. And I think it'll, you know, he will, he's going to come into his own. It's hard to, I mean, he's four games into his collegiate career, right? Like it's, you know, it just, things don't happen overnight and he'll get there. I'm not worried. I did think that, you know, the odd thing was that the only per of those three out of 30 shots, Gideon George made two of them. And he, I mean, that's someone else who obviously the raw physical talent is there, but his offensive game needs a lot of work, but it's, I mean, I think the team, the talent is there on this team. They're just trying to find, you know, find their spot and find their rhythm and figure out which rotations they want to work through. But things are there. I think there wasn't quite as much off ball movement as we saw with last year's team, which I think just comes with experience and comfortability, comfort within the system, but they'll get there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The one positive thing that came out of that game was there were only 31 fouls called, which was a huge improvement from the week before or for the game before against whoever it was even against against New Orleans when there were like 56 total fouls called. So that felt great. Uh, Look, guys, basketball is just tough. We're going to talk about basketball because we love our Cougars and we love winning. But, man, when there's 50-something fouls called in a game, it's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. It's the worst. I would much rather watch reruns of Superstore than watch a game like that that has a whistle every 30 seconds. That's true. I would also agree with that. I don't even think it's a question. Uh, So hoops was bad. Uh, We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon prior to tip off uh, from BYU St. John's. By the time you listen to this show, the game will at earliest, you know, it'll be underway probably uh, if not already over. So we don't really have a whole lot to say about it because it hasn't happened. Game that kind of just came out of nowhere after some COVID cancellations. Who, and, I'm trying to remember who got knocked out of the tournament. Uh, Vanderbilt. Oh, Vanderbilt. That's right. Yeah. Vanderbilt got knocked out. The only thing I know about St. John's basketball is they run a full court press like all game long, which just seems so tiring. I had to walk. So I live in a, we're pre-rich, right, Garrett? Right. I live in a tri-split floor plan home like the old 90s homes in utah that you walk in and there's like a kitchen in a front room go downstairs there's the tv room then there's another downstairs to the basement uh you can go up all the way into the rooms there's an upstairs so there's just like all the like every room you go into has stairs uh i'm sure that people are familiar with the floor plan it's scattered throughout utah everywhere i walked from my room upstairs and I had to go and get some, I had to go get some Pringles that were in our food storage in the basement. Obviously. Well, of course. And so I walked from my bedroom down the stairs. There are six stairs to get to the main floor. Then there are nine stairs to get to the TV room, the living room. And then there are six more stairs to get to the basement. So what is that? That's 21 stairs. And then I had to walk all the way back up those stairs with my Pringles. And you would have thought that I maybe had COVID because I was so tired by the end of my 42 stair trek, but I got a little bit winded. I mean, not a lot winded, but a little winded. 
And when I think of St. John's playing a full court press for 40 minutes, I just, my heart wants to stop. You know, I, that was a very, that was an oddly specific analogy. Well, well, it Um, worked, but it's, I think, you know, it, it's like when, I don't know, press Virginia a couple of years ago, right? Like it's just exhausting to watch. Like you get tired watching it, but I mean, that's when LMU went to the final four in the nineties with that, right? Like, you know, and we'll see what they, you know, what happens and what they get with it. But I think it would be, you know, something that is very, you know, I think it'll be fun to watch and it, it, gives a different challenge than we've seen in the first four games. It's true. And a big challenge. I don't know outside of Barcelo and I guess Averett, but even them, they, they kind of get loose with the ball. The BYU doesn't have a TJ Haas who yeah. can kind of break the press on his own. So this and will be interesting. So we took a big drop yesterday in the Ken Palm ratings went from like 74 to 90 something. And <laughs> right. And so the Ken Palm is projecting this to be a 79, 76 game. And with St. John's coming out on top. So it should, hopefully it should be a good game, but it's going to, you know, going to need some things to happen. Let me, let me tell you about Ken Palm last year. I subscribed and it's not much. Ken Palm's like 20 bucks for the year. It's 20 bucks a season. And so it's not much, but I subscribed because I finally caught BYU fever, subscribed to Ken Palm and wanted to track everything like the full, everything that Ken Palm has to offer. I subscribed the day before the WCC tournament started. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought, hey, this is the year. I've paid a little bit more attention to basketball. I'm going to bring my my friend Ken Palm with me, and I'm going to win the office bracket pool this year. I normally don't, and I don't really take it very seriously. So I paid 20 bucks to uh, win the pool. Pool didn't happen. And to me... That is a far bigger tragedy than Yoli and Toulson and TJ not getting to play those games. I don't think so because it's only twenty dollars. Well, but if you want me to send you twenty dollars to or the password to my Ken Palm account for this season, then we can do that as well. <laughs> no, we, we'll work something out. I'm you sure. can actually see um, where on it on the. Ken Palm on their website, they actually have somewhere where you can see. Um, oh, so actually, he does. One nice thing that you do get if you sign up is he has the fan match where it's like he predicts the excitement of games based on things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this is what you should pay attention to today. But where does he have it on here? You can see he also tracks because when you create an account, it has you. Um, when you create an account, it has you like pick which team you're a fan of. And somewhere on his website, you can see the rankings of like how many BYU fans are oh, paid cool. subscribers and things. But I gotta, I don't know where it's at. I'll have to find I'm it. I'm gonna, as the person who runs a subscription website for BYU, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that BYU is not in the top 50. This is probably true. Um, I mean, just a hutch. Yeah. Look, we love you, subscribers. Subscribe to Cougar Sports Insider. Our 75% off sale just finished, uh, but we have a 25% off sale. Like We always have some sort of a sale. So 25% off of the new annual membership right now. That's something. Uh, it's the best community of BYU fans that you're going to find. I, I can assure you of that. Garrett, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. We have a couple more things before we get into picks, just real quick. 
there were two tweets this week and boy, they were doozies. Oh. Like they were just doozies. And I'm going to read the tweets for, for, for the listeners. And we're here to decide which tweet is worse because both of them are bad. The first one, I think um, one is worse, but one is more annoying to me. Okay. So I will yeah. preface it with that. Okay. The first tweet happened November 30th. So what is that? Sunday night, Monday night, Monday night from at Allison Leiby, L-E-I-B-Y. People who live outside of New York City and don't have bodegas, where do you go to buy two Diet Cokes, a roll of paper towels, and oh, let me get some peanut butter M&M since I'm here. Why not? That's called a grocery store or a gas station. Uh, Yeah, I mean, every convenience store ever. Like Lewiston, Utah has Hall's store where I can get exactly those things. Yeah, I the thing this is when people talk about like the coastal elites. It is people like this who she is, I'm so enlightened and cultured because I live in Manhattan, but she doesn't think that places to buy things exist anywhere else outside of the bodega in her apartment co-op building. Right. That you she, you said it best when we first discovered this tweet earlier this week, that your first reaction was, well, this is why we need the electoral college. And I stand by that statement. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. This is exactly why we need the electoral college, because there are people who genuinely believe in these densely populated cities that their bodegas are so special and they're the only ones in the world who can get two Diet Cokes, a roll of paper towels and some peanut butter M&Ms at the same place. And, you know, it is a sad state of affairs. And that this is what I would say is the annoying one. Um, And the other one was one by one Aubrey Huff, who is, you know, a baseball player who is apparently a brain dead baseball player. I didn't know CTE was a big problem with Major League Baseball, but apparently is. But he said, quote, I've never understood as a man why you would date or marry a single mother if you're single with no kids of your own. Seems to me he doesn't feel he has options or doesn't value himself as a man. I'd feel like I was a backup plan helping raise another man's kids. Yeah, that, that's a doozy of a take. There, Yeah, that's, I mean. I, I, I honestly don't even have words. Um, it's it's one of the most upsetting things to me to see this. Like um, one, like single mothers are not some sort of like afterthought. Like this is an asinine, like the premise of his thought here is asinine. Like the tweet speaks for itself. It's stupid. What I am questioning about this tweet is what you're, what you're alluding to. What is his mental state that he thought, Oh yeah, I'll put this on the internet. Like you've got to be, some kind of twisted. I have seen, <laughs> and it, it, maybe it's a little sacrilegious, and I don't know why I'm the one who's bringing the sacrilege two weeks in a row after talking about the Moses last week. My dad listened to the Moses segment, and he was like, oh, this is weird. This hits my eyes or my ears a little weird. I was like, dad, come on, lighten up. But um, <laughs> some of the replies to this tweet have been like, so, so Joseph? I mean... I get it's a little different, but is it? No, I mean, it's, I don't know. There's plenty of people that have, you know, you know, that have a stepdad who came in because they're, you know, for whatever reason. And it's like, I 
there i don't know it there's just so many issues with that tweet i can't even really process yeah. why he would think to put that out and what he would you know be saying is what he thought was going to come of this so is not just smart two awful tweets and i think this is something that i want to do on a regular basis garrett and we didn't talk about this before the show but i want to have a moron of the week and well, it's something is, like that's this. Aubrey Huff this week. Yeah, Aubrey Huff, I think, wins. The bodega chick is is right there close. Like, she's crazy. She's crazy town. Um, but I don't think that she's a moron. I think she's just ignorant. I think Aubrey Huff's a moron. And so that's why he wins the moron of the week. Submit to us your tweets throughout the week, every week, for the competition for next week's moron of the week, because I'm certain that in the next seven days, there will be more morons who manifest themselves to the internet world. So let us know. There's no shortage of morons in the world, and I'm sure we will be provided with plenty of plenty of content in this regard. Uh, with our picks this week, last week we did not do very good. It was a bad week for us. One, we had multiple I did, games I did canceled. real bad. Yeah. Yeah, you went one and four. I went two and three. Not, not great, but we're back again to lay it out on the line for us with our picks of the week, we've got another six pack today that we are picking and we'll see how many of them actually get played. Um, actually did the, did the Liberty, we do have Liberty in coastal Carolina on here. We can start with that one. Is that line still available even because um, Liberty starting quarterback tested positive for COVID and will not be playing in the game. A lot of times if a starting quarterback goes out that, you know, that changes the calculus of things a bit. And it, it is still available at uh, every it, book. I don't see it on. Let me check Bovada directly. Uh, are, okay, you on, are you on Bovada or Vegas Insider? I'm on Vegas Insider. So it looks like it's still posted at William Hill, sportsbetting.com, MGM, The Nugget, Westgate. Uh, the offshores are usually a lot quicker to act on those yeah, kinds of So things. it is that is taken down. I've All right, so we're gonna we're gonna put up a bonus one then, just because that one may already not happen, or will at least drastically change. So I think let's 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 still make our picks for that game. Okay. I think it's coastal. I think you're probably gonna take coastal yeah, as well. It's I was going to take coastal anyway. I think Liberty is very overrated. So, and it was at Liberty was an 11 point road dog, and I think coastal would cover that. Um, I, I agree. So we're going to replace this with uh, our two favorite schools from the Mountain West days. That's going to be the replacement game. Uh, Wyoming is a 17 and a half point dog against or at New Mexico. I don't know anything about either one of these teams. I know that New Mexico lost to Utah State and Utah State is bad, 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 bad. Yeah. So I feel like Wyoming, they must be the worst football team ever assembled. If they are a 17, I, I got to double check the line. Did I read that correctly? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Excuse me. Okay. They are a 17 and a half point favorite that on the road much, at New Mexico. Makes much, much more sense. Okay. 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 So uh, that's our replacement line. Okay. Um, let's get into these picks then. Uh, let's see. So our first one, we have Oregon State is an 11-point road dog in Salt Lake at Utah. 
I don't know how anybody can watch Jake Bentley play quarterback and think that Utah's going to win. Like he's just been so bad. Oregon State just beat Oregon. Oregon State's quarterback Jake or Tristan Jebia is out, and they are playing their backup. So, like, I mean, that is a big unknown, but it's not like Bentley hasn't looked good either. So I don't, even a little bit. So yeah, I don't. I would be surprised if it's more than an eleven point thing because Utah can't really throw the ball. They're going to be stuck running the ball and Oregon state kind of bottled up CJ Waddell in the Oregon running game last week. So it's there. And they kind of did the same. They did the same thing with Sean McGrew when they played Washington. So I think Oregon state is a better team this year than people expected. And I think they'll probably start getting some of that recognition after this week. I don't know if they win outright, um, but I don't think 11 points is a lot based yep, on what I've seen from both of those schools this year. Um, I agree. West Virginia is a six and a half point dog on the road at Iowa state. I'm going with my uh, on this one and I'm taking West Virginia straight up because the cyclones are dead to me. Yeah. A hundred percent. We need to come up with our Moses. I mean, Moses didn't come like that baby is not in the basket, but the point stands like still remains that college football God does encourage gambling. And that is how faith is manifested in the college to the college football God. I am also going to bet with my heart on this one. And I'm going to say West Virginia wins outright uh, because damn it. They have to, they just have to, we need them to. Yeah. We, they have to. Um, so I, again, I'm taking, uh, taking them. And Oklahoma State is a two and a half point favorite on the road at TCU. I, Gary Patterson hates us so much, just so much. There's so much resentment in his heart. And there are, are so many bad feelings right above his belt, you know, right in his gut that is, and I can relate. It hangs over, it hangs over his belt. The difference is that my gut doesn't hang over my belt like that on national TV. And also I don't squat like him. Like it, it feels like when Gary Patterson's on the sideline and he's touching his belt, it's like a constant Matt Foley routine. Like that's what he looks like at every minute of the day. But I need, I need, like I need oxygen. I need our football Matt Foley to win this game and to beat Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state beats Texas tech and vaults up to number 15 in the rankings. They are knocking on the door of where BYU is at. And they are a team that apparently for who the hell knows why the committee is giving the, uh, the big 12, every benefit of the doubt. And so that's a team that I'm afraid of if I'm a BYU fan, Oklahoma state. So I need, I need Gary Patterson to pull off an upset probably only moves Oklahoma state down like three or four spots, but I can't imagine that the committee would have the audacity to put a three loss Oklahoma state team ahead of BYU. So I'm calling for TCU on the heels. I think we take them outright. I'm going to take them to cover for, for our purposes here, but for our manifestation of our faith this week, the Moses, it didn't work. And these are long shots, right? They're long shots. But I am calling on, on for, for, for West Virginia to win outright and for TCU to win outright. Those are the first two things that I need to happen 
in this week's bet, which I am hereby dubbing Gary Patterson's belt. That's what this bet will be called. We will add one more team to Gary Patterson's belt the same way that he has had to continually add new holes into his own belt. That's why this works. Okay. So Gary Patterson's belt, you have to take the money line because we're, we're showing our faith to win outright so far, West Virginia and TCU. You know, I will take it. We'll stay in that big 12. It works. And I'm all in. I'm taking West Virginia straight up over Iowa state and TCU is going to pull off the upset of Oklahoma state, which brings us to Miami is a 15 point road favorite against Duke. D.R. King is going to run all over Duke. Duke is not a good football team, and Miami is going to cover this one. Duke sucks so bad. I want, oh, man, I really want badly to make this the third leg of our of the belt, but I just can't. Like, Miami is going to win, and it's not going to be close. And not only that, we are also following this up with Indiana, who is also in front of us and is equally, equally in the same ballpark as Iowa state is a 14 point road dog in Madison at Wisconsin, but Michael Penix jr. Is out for the season. Um, who is Jack Tuttle starting for Indiana this week? Uh, BYU legend Jack Tuttle is starting for Indiana this week. This and might because make it, of that. I might want to root for Indiana now uh, because of, because of that BYU legend, legendary quarterback, Jack Tuttle, every, Cougars favorite Ute is starting at quarterback for the Hoosiers. And because of that, Indiana is officially the third leg of the belt. Look, I, I am fine saying Indiana could win. And even if they stay ahead of BYU for one more week in the rankings, I have zero confidence that they're going to stay there without Michael Penix Jr. throughout the rest of the season. So I'm not worried about this game. I'm more worried about Wisconsin than I am Indiana in the long-term grand scheme of things. Because of that, I want Indiana to win this game. That's it. It's a Jack Tuttle, my favorite Cougar, Jack Tuttle, who led to Zach Wilson leading the way. Zach Wilson was projected in a pro football focus, excuse me, an athletic mock draft to be the number two overall pick. That Zach Wilson is only at BYU because of our dear, dear friend, Jack Tuttle. I am pulling every good feeling, every good vibe that I have, and I am putting it and and focusing it all directly onto Jack Tuttle. He deserves this. He absolutely deserves this. And the meltdown from a certain rival up north of BYU. Whew! And if BYU could then get Jackson Dart on the heels of that, where Zach Wilson continues to have Heisman hype, Jack Tuttle beats Wisconsin, and then BYU lands Jackson Dart all in the span of like 10 days. And then somehow Peter Castelli flips on signing day. (laughs) (laughs) It would be nuts. So Indiana is the third leg of Gary Patterson's belt. He is, I guess it's a leg. That's what you have to call it because it's a parlay. But... Really, he's the third hole that has been added to Gary Anderson's or to Gary Patterson's, not Gary Anderson. He's got a whole different set of problems that has been added to Gary Patterson's belt uh, for for our our purposes here. Yeah. Um, so I 
I'm still taking Wisconsin. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I can't buy into the belt. I think Wisconsin will beat Indiana. I mean, I, it's if this is his first game time, right? And he had plenty of time, and he still got beat out by Penix. Um, I just I think Wisconsin's going to take this one. And Wyoming is a 17 and a half point road dog at New Mexico. Are they actually are they playing this game in New Mexico, or is it getting played in Vegas? Uh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Because we added this one late. I didn't look into because it Because there were issues that they were having. And so the, New Mexico was looking at moving all of their games. Right. I remember that. Yes. This um, is being played at, this is being played in Vegas at UNLV stadium. Okay. So it's, it's a in, neutral field. Wyoming. I was wrong. Wyoming is 17 and a half point favorite over New Mexico in Las Vegas. 17 and a half points is a lot. And I don't know anything about either one of these teams. So all that I can think of is Wyoming. I, 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 don't, I don't think of anything when I think of Wyoming. But when I think of New Mexico, I think of like the Dontrell Moore days when he was running. Like he was the first to run like that jet sweep option that I remember. And I remember yep. BYU not knowing what to do with it. And so when I think of New Mexico, I think of Dontrell Moore. And so I'm pretty sure that Dontrell Moore somehow still plays for New Mexico, even though he's like 45 now. And that's the New Mexico team I'm betting on this time. You know, I, my grandpa actually played at the university of New Mexico. Um, so you have a soft spot. I, I do not have a soft spot. It's not, <laughs> it's because New Mexico is just not a good football program, but he, um, you know, I think that he, I, 17 and a half points is a lot. It's a neutral field. He, Vegas is full of alcohol. We know what happens when people from Wyoming, this entire state of Wyoming are around alcohol. I don't think that's a good combo for the Cowboys. Uh, so I think it's, you know, I do think New Mexico is going to cover just because 17 and a half points is a lot. And, and also Wyoming athletic director, Tom Berman is on the playoff selection committee this year. So he's part of this conspiracy, keeping BYU out. So Tom Berman can suck it. So uh, yeah, we're taking New Mexico. Okay. I, I do think that. So looking, I just looked up uh, Dontrell Moore. Um, he is now works at a, he's a youth officer at a juvie, juvenile detention center oh, in Albuquerque. So he's a um, good guy. He actually, so he was still playing, you know, he spent some time on some practice squads, um, you know, during his short NFL career, he did spend some time playing in the indoor football league. Um, and, you know, he, he kind of came out of retirement when a team started up in Albuquerque and he played for them for like their one season they existed, but he retired from football in 2013 after tearing his quadricep tendon while jumping on a trampoline. So, oh, he, man. and now he's, you know, now he's a corrections, a youth corrections officer and got his degree from the university of New Mexico and is big into playing tennis to stay active. And he's trying to, he's also apparently trying to make it as a professional tennis player. Good for him. Well, I'm a Don Moore fan. That's a, those are the kinds of names you get to remember oh, when, yeah. uh, when you listen to the Give Him Help Break a Podcast. Like, I guarantee you, nobody listening to this show has thought of Don Moore running that jet sweep in 15 years. No, not even, no, not even close, but that is what we're bringing you. And we, it looks like we're probably not going to be having a game this week. So we have yet another buy, meaning no post game show. But if Jack Tuttle looks like a Heisman, the Heisman candidate that many, many Utah fans on Twitter predicted him to be, 
then we may do a post game show the Wisconsin Indiana game. Oh yeah. If if Jack Tuttle if Jack Tuttle wins, I don't even care what he looks like. If Jack Tuttle gets a win in his first start, we will have an emergency celebratory show celebrating our favorite quarterback, Jack Tuttle. Okay. I believe it. And we will be watching intently. We have our six pack with the Gary Patterson belt until then, Jeff, let's give him hell. Give him hell.